0: Welcome to the Honest TV Podcast. We're the podcast for health professionals and the wider community. Look at explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches. And joining me as always is allied health business owner, Andrew. Andrew, how are you today? I'm well, how are you? I'm very well. This is our first podcast of the new year. It's both our second days back at work. So I think it's time to to crack a wine with a returning (laughs) guest... Ryan Hebron from Longevity, as some people within the Giants organization call him, Hebron James.
1: <laughs> How are you, man? <laughs> You've been working on that intro. <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, what what wine are we drinking today? Um,
0: well, I I got this out of the cupboard at home. I think I got it for a birthday or a. Christmas or an engagement or something like last year. And I thought I'd give it to you now and you can try and sell it to us as what we're drinking today and you can pour us a glass. So Ryan, what are we
1: having today, mate? Oh man, I can't even pronounce that. We've got McGuigan. Yeah, McGuigan, McGuigan. McGuigan, I I reckon we'll go McGuigan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Archie, uh, the white expert, uh, knowing the name. It's a black label, red, red. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Can I? Can I just ask? I'm wondering where part two of our two for ten red wine's gone. Did that not survive New <laughs> Year's?
0: No. Did I? Did <laughs> I keep that? Yeah. It? It, it stayed here. <laughs> it definitely oh, it was it's, here. Oh, it's here. It's in the maybe it's,
2: it's probably. It's
1: okay. gonna get it's gonna get it's, yeah. rediscovered in, in the any cellar. Time. <laughs> it's
0: in the it's in the rebound cellar. Uh, no pour away, man. Pour away. Um, I'm sure it's here. To be honest, I didn't actually look for it because I was like, because well, you drank it. It's because <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be an empty bottle in the recycling. <laughs> um, no, because it would have been the same brand, I'm pretty sure, as the last one, but it was uh, just like a different different grape. So I mm-hmm. thought we'd go something completely new here. Very good uh, to see, Andrew. Thank you, sir. So, or
1: red. I'll I'll get you to taste it, and then we'll we'll compare that those notes with uh, with the notes on the label. Oh, this one's better than the last one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: tell, tell me more.
0: Yeah. Um, I Okay, I don't know because we did crack the bottle about 10 minutes ago to air it out. Um, is that a thing you do, And I,
2: I think it's a thing you do with like good wine.
0: Yeah. Well, it tastes good. It tastes airy? No, it tastes very airy. Um, there's no bite to it afterwards mm. so I feel like sometimes you just crack a bottle of wine and maybe this is because I buy $5 wine if I'm drinking it but it didn't hit me in the back of the throat afterwards it mm. just kind of went down very good what about you?
2: yes I agree mm. with <laughs> all of those sentiments right. we should not do wine no we should not do that.
0: <laughs> I mean to be honest I don't think it's much worse than our beer reviews oh, this is this is nice
1: it is nice isn't it very easy yeah mm. can you um any other notes? I'll read it out. Go on, give us the notes. Okay. Um, this classic red wine has great fruit flavours spicy plum, cherry, and blackberry. That's. Um, I think it's uh, all
0: bullshit, to be honest. <laughs> like, I, I watched a. This is very off topic. I watched Someone a. Someone at this farm. I watched a, like a YouTube video <laughs> of a study where they got these sommeliers in, like smart mm. wine people in. And they had some white wines and some red wines and they had a white wine and they literally dyed it with food dye red um, and then got all the wine tasters to try it. (laughs) Mm. And they were like, oh, interesting notes on this this, uh, Pinot here. Like, and they were like very convinced that it was a red wine. (laughs) And then they told them all, it's like, it's a white wine. And none of them can taste that it was a white Mm. wine because the first thing they saw was the red. So Mm. then everything that went through their brain after that was in the context of a red wine. So I fucked him over. Um, so I think it's all full of shit, the cherries and the, and the <laughs> grapefruit. Spicy and, plum. Yeah, a spice, spicy plum. It's a red. Come on. <laughs> Ryan, are you aware of, before we get into it, we've got some good topics today. Are you aware of the nickname Hebron James? Of course I am. Yeah. Good, great, <laughs> awesome. That's come from the I reckon intel. like
1: most common <laughs> nicknames, that's... First and then it's daylight. Second, so <laughs> sorry to <laughs> break that one. To oh. you. No, that's great. I just wanted to
0: know because I have a mate who works for the Giants and he's like, "Oh, LeBron James is on your podcast." <laughs> I was like, "What? What a great name!" But yeah, anyway, it's a nice name. You're in off season. We don't have to talk about footy at the moment. Nah, pre season now. It's oh, over. shit! That's the rest of the year gone for you, just like that. <laughs> yep. Well, mate, you're um, you're coming up to two years, two years out of of uni. How yeah. do you
1: feel? I'd love to say enlightened, but I think I'm just poking up the slope um, of enlightenment. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely in a better place than yeah two years ago. But I think yeah, it's definitely been like a the more you learn, like the more you're aware of what you don't know. So um, mm. yeah, nice to nice to have like a a fruitful two years under the under the belt.
2: Nice. And so that. For for people that haven't listened to the first podcast, and this is their first introduction to you, you're in private practice. Yep. Um, what what are the type of clients that you're normally seeing, kind of day to day?
1: Oh, it's a it's a big range. Um, seen, yeah, pain. Um, people m- managing cancer during and post treatment. Um, a lot of mental health. Um, and then like your metabolic conditions. Um, I feel like it's been like pretty in line with like the expectations that I had going in into in terms of like what population. Um, Yeah, a lot of musk as well so I think that's, um, yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to get into private practice is just to see a lot of um, variety and different, different things so yeah.
0: That's good you're getting it then. It's meeting expectations. Yeah, definitely. That's what we like. So now I I feel like when people get to two two, two months, two years out, they kind of reach a point where it's like, okay, they are more able to reflect on the last two years. Reflecting one year out, you can kind of go like, oh, I knew nothing and now I know something Mm -hmm. is kind of the general vibe that people get. Uh, Two years out, you can then almost compare like 12 months to 12 months and it's like two different journeys there and how growth has changed and what different areas you've started to grow in or noticed that you need to do more of. Um, and you've got a lot more of a diverse uh, background of experience as well that you can draw from as well. So uh, Ryan, talking to to that, what would you say are your, your biggest learnings or your, your biggest changes over the last two years of practice?
1: Hmm yeah no I, I definitely that resonates like probably the last six months done a lot of a lot of reflecting um yeah i think just having that that 2022 year um look the way it did as a new grad and then like distinctly quite different in 2023 um and just sort of packaging that up and and comparing the pair like it is it, it's a nice feeling to like see how far you've come um, I, I think yeah I, I can't comment on like what other people's experiences are with um, yeah the, the change that happens but um, yeah it's just like a, a very like slow undulating process of like yeah like challenges and um you know, having to find answers where like sometimes the answer is like unlearning something that you've been taught um you know using using tools and knowledge that um you had in in your head and like just testing it and then realizing like that this worked for that person, but not yeah. for that person, so um yeah, like it's hard to it's hard to pin down like what's changed. I feel mm. like there's like it, it's such a complex experience, like the healthcare mm. professional experience. Mm. Um, and there's probably like, I, I like to separate it into like my work and my professional developments been like learning about like the patients, obviously um, their experiences and, their, their beliefs and like, you know, the challenges that they're going through. Then like obviously the evidence base, like the, the body of literature and um, yeah, I guess like a lot of that stuff you learnt at uni, like it was pretty heavy, sort of that side of things. Um, navigating like my role in a workplace was another element that was quite new to me and like comes with like a, an array of like considerations as well. And like learning systems and like working in teams um, yeah and just like I guess the, the role of um, an EP like mm. that like each of those elements like you learn so much about um, yeah and I I've probably like had to reflect on my myself and like my values and how my experiences shaped like yeah my biases and my decisions and stuff like mm. Yeah, it's, um, I don't want to overcomplicate it, but like it, it's it been quite like a complex, I guess, journey. Yeah, it's never simple, s- right? No, it's I not. Yeah. I, mean, and like, I can't see that. I can't see myself reaching a point where I'm like, sweet, mm. I've, you know, I've got there. You've reached the top of the mountain. I think it uh, is. A yeah, <laughs> small EP foothill. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't really want to get <laughs> the little there either. mound. Yeah, a little mound that is the <laughs> yeah. world of EP. Yeah, a little <laughs> speed a, bump. Yeah, you're on top of it with a <laughs> yeah. flag. It's
0: like, I've made it. Yeah. yeah. That's you're very, very, very true. I'm, uh, the main things I took from what you said just then is that it feels like trial and error and and seeing the same thing multiple times is normally the best way to learn uh, you often find that like uh, it takes a couple times of seeing the same kind of case or going through the same kind of situation before you feel like okay now I've worked out how I like to go about that situation or now I've had to go at these different ways of addressing a concern or a uh, speaking through an education point with a client before you go ah this is the best one, Mm. this is the best way to do it Mm. Uh, and that's very hard to just hear from someone and then do straight away very often you've got to do it yourself a couple times more than a couple times until it becomes second nature Mm. i think and that comes back to just the idea of autonomy as well like when everything's very conscious of how you're trying to do it it's not easy Mm. Mm. and then the more you practice it the more you you know fail and then change it slightly and do it better next time uh the easier it gets Mm. i would say it's like the mm. intro to the podcast, you know? Like, I used to have to read off a script and now I, I fuck it up and I don't even care, I just play on, you mm. know? It's easy. I can <laughs> say Andrew's, Andrew's name in different ways every time. It is, <laughs> it's exciting. Mm. Andrew, when you got to... or Did you ever feel like you reached the uh, the summit of Mount EP with <laughs> no. the way you practiced? No, no,
2: no. I, I very much resonated with what Ryan said there about um, questioning... I, I I came out of uni. I remember like my first year, where I, I came up in a very you know functional movement kind of mm. time, where it's like you saw a presentation and then you you tried to apply like a, a system or a process to fix mm. that person. Um, and the thing that resonated the most there was like when you saw you know a person with a condition and you did one thing and it worked really well and then you did the same thing with the next person and it was like a complete fucking disaster. And you go, well, why? Why did that happen? Um, And I I think that will always Mm. happen. So, like, again, to your point that nobody will ever be, well, the the people that you probably want to be wary of are the people that say, like, I am the expert, Mm. I can fix all things Mm. and I know everything. Like, they're the people that you might want to kind of Mm. steer clear from mm. um, but like no no way and, and I don't think um, I, I think having that mindset allows you to continue to grow and to continue, continue to experiment with uh, the patients or the clients mm. that you see mm. um, knowing that you might have to try a few different approaches with someone mm. to get a result and that's okay because you learn how to communicate that mm. to the person mm. like we're going to try a few different things. We're not quite sure which ones are going to work, but yeah. I'm here to support you mm. through this process.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely found that, uh, especially in the first year of practicing, there were some beliefs that I held on to reasonably strongly coming out of uni because a lecturer or a tutor I liked told me then I was like, oh, well, that's the truth then. Uh, and then very quickly coming into work and you expose yourself to multiple different sources who all go, yeah, it's it's not always like that sometimes it's like that and you go oh shit this this great suit of ep armor i had coming out of uni suddenly <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bulletproof anymore mm. um and and a lot of those beliefs kind of got knocked down and changed and then i had to realize like oh okay i'm kind of at the bottom here and i've got to discover new things constantly now now that i have finished uni uh, mm. i I feel like that's a common experience where people finish uni and go, I know everything I've now passed the courses, I did really well. Mm. Um, and now I will go and uh, place my, my template, my cookie cutter onto different people and mold them mm. through that bit of dough until they, they fit correctly. Mm. Um, but it's not really like that at all. Mm. Um, that's what I noticed.
2: I like that analogy and I think that's where good mentoring helps as well because like if you have one process or one way of doing something um, and then you go and try and apply that to Mm. a whole bunch of different people, good mentoring will help you to go, well, why do I think it worked in this person and Mm. why didn't it work there? Mm. And be able to start to learn how to critically reflect on what happened Mm. as opposed to just like, Oh, it worked, I'm awesome. Oh, it didn't work, it's their fault. Mm. Or they didn't try hard enough, or it was something like just didn't the jigsaw pieces didn't fit properly. Yeah. Um and so for for those first years, getting that experience, trying to apply a framework, like Mm. do that. Mm. Don't just like try nothing or Mm. say that you don't know how to do anything. Like Mm. learn, like do what you've learned but then reflect on it Mm. and get some guidance about how to reflect well. Mm. Why did it work? Uh, Or why do you think it worked? Uh,
0: And what are some other explanations for why that might've worked as well? Mm. Uh, What else could have been going on? And if that doesn't work with the next person, so why did it work with the first person? What's Mm. what's different and what's changing there? And Mm. you're right, that's very hard to do if it's just you trying to reflect on that by yourself. Mm. so surrounding yourself with other people if possible is a good way to do it Ryan I'm going to ask you this in a second about like uh, some beliefs that you feel like you had broken down from when you were a new grad Um, uh, sometime in your first two years of like what are some some key things that you came out of uni with that you then found in your first two years of practice got broken down and going oh that's not actually how things work and that might have been clinically i feel like clinically there's often some but then also maybe um if that can sometimes go into uh just life working as a healthcare professional as well if there's anything else there um yeah any big beliefs that got broken down for you from uni
1: um yeah i i mean i I probably won't answer this perfectly but um yeah. And I, I probably didn't listen super well at uni either, but um, <laughs> <coughs> I don't know. I, I probably was in that boat where you yeah, like I was putting like a lot of self-worth on and, and like importance on like my ability to use exercise to like fix people's problems. Um, and I, and I was sort of yeah like really identifying from the start like I'm like proud to like be an EP and like I've studied for four years and like learned so much and I, I don't I think that did like probably more harm than good for me because it it yeah it like distracts you from thinking about like okay like what can I do for that next person that I see um, I I think, like, a lot of my beliefs, like, revolved around that. So, yeah, identifying as the exercise Mm. specialist, that exercise guru. Mm. Um, And I think I've, like, tried to detach from that. Like, I still, I don't know, footy, footy player, like, used to getting, like, reinforced for, like, doing, you know, good things, like, and celebrated for things like that. I think that sort of trickled into, like, my my beliefs and like putting myself as like the center of that consult but like having to work on that and be like look this is all about where this patient wants to go Mm. um my job is just to like yeah like how can i use my knowledge Mm. and problem solving skills Mm. to get them to that place that they want to be um yeah it's a big change i haven't actually Mm. articulated Mm. that before hopefully that
0: made sense Mm. What, what I'm getting from what you're saying there is like, take it away from like, you've come to see me and I am the exercise expert yeah. here. So let me tell you what you need to do. And yeah. that's kind of switched into, wait, you're the kind of the master of your own situation. What Where do you want to be? And then how can I kind of guide you through that yeah, to help definitely. you get to where you want to be rather than, well, this is where I think you should be. Yeah. Um, mm. It's, which is, you're right. It's a bit of a change. It's changing from like practitioner-centered to like client-centered
1: yeah, care. Yeah, it's like you're, mm. you're not the superstar. Like yeah. they're the hero. Like, mm. yeah, Absolutely. So, yeah. You got to be the best um, sidekick, right? <laughs> yeah. And just, uh, yeah. I think like some of the best things you can do for people are like pretty nuanced and, and subtle. Mm. Like you don't have to hit him with like this incredible, perfectly designed exercise mm. management plan, mm. um, which you know a paper said it. You know, yeah, yeah. It yeah. Back pain by this yeah. amount, yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: Um, it's yeah. A, it's actually I really interesting that you said. Like my my exercise <laughs> programs have over the years gotten less and less complex and detailed. And they're getting simpler and simpler Mm. (laughs) the the more I practice. And that's not big. I I don't think it's because I'm getting lazy. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's because I'm kind of knuckling down to the key thing that the person actually wants to be able to do. And it's like, well, that's what the program should be then. It's like, we're just going to work on you being able to do more of those things. Mm. Uh, And working out that, you know, that classic thing that every person who prescribes anyone a home program like the best uh most detailed home program doesn't matter if the person doesn't do it like that's it's wasted time for everyone if you put all this effort into a really great program but you haven't gotten that person over the line to seeing the importance of doing something so spending more time on the motivational interviewing side of hey why do you want to do this? And how are we going to make sure that you do do this? And what barriers do you see getting in the way of you doing it uh, and working on that, then actually getting someone to go out and go for a walk or run is a lot easier.
2: Mm. But yeah. Hmm.
0: Very interesting. I think you did articulate that well.
2: <laughs> what, what I took from what you said was tr- um, perhaps recently uncoupling your the ryan and ryan the ep Mm. right so your self-worth is not determined by the successes or failures that you have with your clients Mm. right it's not like a if somebody comes and you did an assessment and they never come back like that's not a personal reflection of you as a human or you as an ep um, which i think i definitely struggled with early on it's like Mm. You know, like I'd do an assessment and they wouldn't come back, or I'd see them a couple of times and nothing would happen. And I would take that like, that's me being a terrible person.
1: Mm.
2: Whereas you learn that, you know, maybe they're not ready to hear the information that I'm saying to them, or maybe I'm the wrong person to be giving it to them, or maybe a million other things. But that's okay. And I don't need to try and fix a whole person's life in order for me to be in order for me to consider myself to be a good Mm. EP, like, yes, I care and yes, I want people to get better, but to Archie's point, like, I am the the person on the sidelines Mm. cheering them on and whether they improve or not, like, that's actually not determinant of whether I'm a good EP Mm. or not. Mm. I hope I articulated that.
0: You're more... (laughs) of You're more of the cheerleader or the coach than you
1: are the star player.
2: Mm. Probably
0: how I would put it mm. in
1: sporting terms. Yeah, I think I think there's like a lot of, there's a lot of like anxiety and, um, yeah, and, and pressure people, I think particularly like the, the newer grads. Mm. The newer grads. Newer grads. <laughs> <laughs> we care about second years as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, like you just, you ride the highs and lows, really, like really strongly and, and it it causes a lot of unnecessary stress and like, you know, while you're stressing about the results, you're not actually thinking about like what needs to be done next, like how mm. to help, you, you're thinking about results. Um, mm. And yeah, like your values attached to that and that's just not helpful. Like it's not gonna solve is, anyone's problem. Is
2: that possible for, for new grads?
1: Like if you if you were to to talk to Ryan from two years ago, yeah, no. is that is that possible? I don't think so. I think you do just need to sit with that discomfort for a while until you you've seen enough, you know, processes mm. um, happen. I think it is something that comes with like experience and maturity. Um, I wouldn't really change it either. Like I experienced that, I wouldn't change that. I think it's like just um, an important thing mm. to go through. Mm. I think it like it's there for. Like it serves me at the time, like and coming out out of that sort of mindset was like an important, um, yeah, part of my like experience as a young health professional. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. I think it almost becomes unreasonable to expect a new grad to to be thinking, uh, in such a meta kind of way mm. like externally looking at themselves and how they do things and how they value things um i've i find that there really seems to be a point around like 18 months when people can start to sit back a bit more and reflect on their practice a bit more and generally i've found that like people's practice improves a lot from that point on like i i give people a year, a year and a half and like we'll, we'll work on things, obviously. Uh, but if there's some things that don't seem to be changing, um, I'm not too quick to judge on, oh, this is just what they're like uh, because things normally, well, not normally, but there seems to be a point around 18 months when things change mm. and people flick a switch mm. around there. Um, that's just what I've noticed the last couple of years with, with our team. Mm. is that things take some time and it even if you try and explain things to people or, or talk them through it or go, Hey, well, you know, can you see it from this perspective? Then they go, Oh yeah, I can but they can't necessarily get to the point where they see it from that perspective themselves until they've just been doing
1: things a bit longer. Mm. It just takes a bit of time. And I think like Yeah, I was I was having A chat to someone in my team we were just discussing like some some um like perfectionism um and i think if you just zoom out like we've gone through school which definitely encourages perfectionism like we're Mm. encouraged to you know strive to get an a and Mm. if you do a really good job like yep probably didn't get a hundred percent um and then uni, like, with this same, like, medical mm. model, like, we've been trained that, yeah, HD, like, got to get, there is a right answer here. Like, mm. Mm. you know, I didn't get any HDs, so <laughs> <I> obviously didn't. <laughs> it still left a mark on me, like, definitely some perfectionist <laughs> traits, but I just gave up by the end. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you yeah, just, yeah. you it's reinforcing, like, these new grads, their last four to six years plus, s- plus school. It's like, yeah, right answer. Mm. A lot of complexity and uncertainty, but there's, mm. yeah, there's still an answer here and you didn't get it very rarely, fully right. Very <laughs> rarely in uni can you get away with writing, it depends yeah. on <laughs> the, on the individual. <laughs> They're
0: like, no, nah, not good enough. Give me an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like write me the perfect program for yeah. uh, this person who here's their assessment results and uh, here's how
1: well they are. It's mm. like what? It's <laughs> yeah, that, ridiculous. Like, yeah. Just that that <laughs> shift, I to do that? that the shift from like biomedical case study mm. assessments to having a real person in front of you, like it, it's so it different. does set you up to fail. And I think like mm. coaching to that mm. can be quite reassuring.
0: Mm. Mm. I think like that kind of makes placements ridiculously valuable because it's the only uni experience people really get to the outside world. Of like, great, all about uni knowledge is awesome in the back of your head, but now this person sitting in front of you telling you that they want something completely different and that they're gonna straight refuse to do that thing that you want them to do on that program, mm-hmm. what do you do now? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Well, uni didn't tell me they were gonna refuse <laughs> to do that and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it's like I have don't have an answer for that one.
2: So how do you learn that?
0: Well, you just practice it. You just do it. Mm. You you just go in there and you give it your best shot. And if it fails, up uh, like you know, do no harm as a number one. <laughs> do no harm. Try and do some good with the person, uh, and give it your best shot. Talk to someone about it, you know. And if it goes well, great. You've learned something. If it doesn't go well, great. Hopefully, you've learned something as well, mm. and you can take that on to the next person. Uh, look, it would be great if we could have fresh practitioners come out of uni and start getting incredible results and outcomes with clients straight away. Uh, we're in a pretty difficult profession where getting like great outcomes is not easy. Like it's not an easy thing to do. Like you're asking people to commit to something that is literally putting stress on their body most of the time. <laughs> it's like we don't have as EPs, uh, at least as EPs, we don't have a nice modality where everything feels good (laughs) it generally doesn't feel good straight away (laughs) Mm. it's like we're 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 stressing your tissue we're stressing your body in some way or another to get adaptation or challenging your beliefs on something and asking you to do something that you haven't been doing a lot of Uh, otherwise you know maybe it might have been feeling better already so it's generally pretty tough situation, mm. you know. It's like you're up against it to start, mm. so to to ask a new grad to, you know, well, you should be getting every client, you know, feeling better. It's like that's not realistic. Mm. I, I've got countless clients. If I get up a list of my clients for the last five years, I've got countless people who probably did not get better. Mm. That's just normal. That's just part of it. Um, but you've got to keep people going. As in like, you've got to keep the practitioner going because a lot of people are gonna take that really hard and then go, this isn't for me. I don't think it's working. Um, I don't get enough enjoyment out of it. I'm leaving, I'm going doing something else. It's not rewarding enough. Um, I'm not empowering enough people. I don't feel like I have the tools or the modalities to help people. So I'm gonna do something different. And it's like, hey, let's just help guide you through it and coach you a little bit longer. Let's get to the eighteen months. Let's get to the two years. Let's get past that, um, and things get better. Things mm. get better, um, but it takes time. And mm. It just doesn't happen straight away for a lot of people. Just mm. such a tough industry because yeah, you, know, you come out of uni, uh, especially if you go into private practice. There's no like middle ground where it's like okay, so people like kind of pay you, but they don't really pay you. Um, or they pay you in Monopoly money or something. You know, like it's, mm. it's like, ooh, there's money involved, but it's not a real transaction. It's like, no, no, no. It's straight away. They're expecting like good things. Mm. It's like, fuck, that's tough. Mm. Straight away. Like I'd, I'd, I'd hate to have to do my first initials all over again. They're mm. terrifying. <laughs> the worst thing ever. Yeah. Do you ever your first initial, Andrew?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> It's it's been blocked out of the, of the memory. It's, it's, it's been put to the side. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. I have some memories of like bad initials early on. I've got, I've yeah. definitely
2: got memories of bad, yeah. bad initials of yeah. going very, very sideways and mm. people, yeah, yeah, just not not clicking, not yelling. They're not, mm. yeah, mm. it's not fun.
0: And I feel like I can look back on that now and go, "Well, I could have done this differently," mm. and it's reasonably obvious to myself. Now, what I could have done differently to at least, you know, have a better chance of doing some good stuff with the person. Mm. Um, But it's hard for people to to see that early on. Like, it's just, it's tough. Mm. Mm.
1: Like you said, it takes a couple of years of perspective to just reaching for the wine. There you go. Reaching
0: for the wine. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: takes a couple of years to, like, have that perspective where you can. Yeah. What's the word? Metathink. Metathink. <laughs> meta-think. Oh, it's <he's> coined that. <laughs> Is that coined what you said? metathink? Yeah, yeah, just like big meta
0: brain
2: kind of
1: I'm thing. I'm not there yet, apparently. You're not <laughs> there, you're not in meta brain yet? <laughs> no. Oh.
0: That's great. <laughs> Andrew's full meta brain.
2: <laughs> I'm 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 ruminating on what you said before. Which thing? Uh, most of what you just said. Okay. I'm going to want to ask sit a follow-up question? my wine. <laughs> yeah. Um my question is my I'll statement and then question. So you you were talking about you know your the clients that you've um, obviously had mixed success with over time, which we all absolutely have. Um, how how do you know that you're a good EP then? So people come and people go. I'm frowning because right? I'm not sure what the question
0: is. Yeah,
2: go on. People come and people go, but. You, you've obviously built a, a. the way that I know that you're a good EP is that you have a, a very steady or very like um, kind of revolving door with your clients. Like they, they stay for a while, then they go and they do their own thing for a while and then they'll come back if something pops up for them mm. in, in the future. Mm. And you've got a, a network of people that refer to you because they value you as a clinician, mm. right? Based on the previous experience mm. that they've had, right? So how do, you, how do you reconcile the fact that I'm not going to be able to help everyone? Maybe that's my question. Like how, do okay. you, yep. how do you know, how, how can you like be okay with the fact that you can't help everyone?
0: Um, that's a very good question. How do I reconcile the fact that I can't help everyone? I,
2: and, and, and that you're a good clinician. Okay. So you're good and you can't help everyone.
0: Okay. All right. So in answering the first part of that question, that like, how do I reconcile that, uh, I can't help everyone to me that, come to two things firstly knowing that even within like great quality research and evidence that it's never a 100% success rate even when they're doing the best possible uh, prescription in the, the safest possible way in the, the most controlled environments uh, it doesn't work 100% of the time so then how am I supposed to have a 100% success rate when I'm doing it with all of these uncontrolled factors like money and time and gym space and personality meshing, uh, uh, all of these other you know, socioeconomic factors that we can't even name and all these other placebo and nocebo things that are happening that I can't control. So to me, it's when I think about that in my head, I go, well, of course I can't help everyone. Because the the best experts in the world, when they're doing it in a controlled research setting, can't even do it hundred percent of the time. Mm. So then, I, there's no way I can do it. Uh, so I I got comfortable with that very early, uh, and I don't know how. I I feel like it's it sounds bad to go I. I don't care about what happens to people because I do very much care about what happens to people but I think early on I realized that I don't have control over everyone's situation Mm. and that the amount of people who uh, would come to see me after seeing a bunch of other people and I'd ask them how their experiences were with other people and often people kind of just brush off any okay experience with another practitioner as like, ah, You know, it was alright they gave me some things I didn't really do it Uh, and I went back to doing my own thing I was like okay cool like people rarely hold on to strong grudges about a certain experience Uh, so as long as you're a nice person to people uh, and you you try and give them your best shot you don't you know tell them to fuck off or anything or tell them that you know they're something stupid then they probably won't think of you in a bad way even if they decide to not come back so if you're just nice to people and you try and help, you do it, give your best shot and they go, no, I don't wanna come back and see you. Uh, then you've tried your best. They probably won't think of you in a bad way later. And they'll go to however many other practitioners later down the track and go, oh yeah, I saw an EP. Yeah, it just didn't really work out. He gave me some things, I don't really like it. And so here I am. So thinking about that as an experience that I could be that person. Uh, they're not really holding a grudge against me, so mm. that's fine. I don't hold on to things too much. Mm. In terms of answering the question, how do I know then that I'm a good EP? I don't really know how to answer that question. I've never understood how to answer that question uh, because I think that's such like a a, a weird term good. to use. Good, yeah, mm. or a good clinician. You know, we did an episode like very very early on, like. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, what's a good clinician or like what makes a good clinician? It's like, mm. fuck, that's it's a tough question to answer. And mm. often it's the answer is like, well, you're constantly trying to learn and get better and you don't reach that like mountain top and you go, I'm here, I'm a good clinician, I did it. Mm. And it's like, well, if you stop now in five, 10 years time, you're not going to be a good clinician because what you're doing now is probably going to be not the best thing you could be doing. Later, because that's mm. how quickly things change.
1: Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, right. I, was, I was just
1: thinking like that's a big question. He's either going to give us like a philosophical essay or it depends. <laughs>
0: it depends. Right. And which one? Did I, I, I was give looking you? at you. I was
1: like, he's going to say it. <laughs> oh dear!
0: Now I tried not to give a cop-out answer. Would you? No, that was good. What can you add to to that?
1: Do you think? Um. I'd add the depends, and then <laughs> also the. I don't know. I think like regardless of what job you you have, I feel like something along the lines of like if you, um. If you're like making like a collaborative commitment and promise that that you then keep, that's probably a pass mark mm. for mine. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like I think like just making sure that whatever you do like you are getting towards their goals directly Mm. Um, yeah I think that's great I think that's made a much more
0: clear answer of uh, of that Mm. of generally I think what a clinician who is striving to be good does is follow through on their promises Mm. um, have the person's meaningful goals at the center of what your planning is Uh, you check in with them, you get their expectations and you take things from there. Mm. Um, Mm. If you at least start with that, then look, you're you're doing your best shot early on, I think, and that's what's important. Mm. Uh, And I think a lot of the time when I think back to my bad initials, I didn't do one of those things. I either didn't have their meaningful goals at the center of what we were doing in that first and second session. Um, I didn't have... I didn't create a good management plan collaboratively with them. Uh, I didn't check in with them to see how they felt um, at the end of that session, the the next day. uh, And then, you know, whatever else happened as well. Mm -hmm. Cause even, and and I preface this now with clients, especially who are coming in for musky things, is if we do some assessments and we go through some movement experiments, I tell them, it's like, hey, I'm gonna message you tomorrow to check in on how you're feeling. Uh, because in you know some situations you won't feel good, but that's good information for me to know. Mm. And that's good information for us to know because that's gonna influence what we do going forward. Mm. Uh, so you're almost saying the expectation that like you might not feel good tomorrow, uh, but that's good information that I want to know about it uh, because then we can modify from what we do there. Mm. And then we've learned from the assessment.
2: Is that something that you're teaching as part of like induction or um, yeah, for new grads coming out, like to follow up with people pretty quickly? I mean, following up the next day,
0: I think is one of the top three things you need to do with an initial. Like you need to follow up the next day.
2: And just from a practical perspective, how do you do that?
0: Uh, Well, we have like, Clinico and Clinico's got a software where you can send text messages from it Uh, but the easiest way to do it is to tell the client hey I want to check up uh, check in on you tomorrow and see how you're feeling what's the best way for me to do that Mm. message call or email and then they'll tell you uh, and then you can do that thing so then you've met their expectations even more some people hate getting messages some people hate getting emails Mm. so just find out from the person what's most appropriate for them Mm. and then do that thing And often you'll do that and then when you go into your follow-up session, you know way more about how that person's going to be feeling coming in because you've already heard about how they pulled up after the first session and they'll add something like, oh, excited to see you on Friday. It's like, great. They're most likely to come in excited. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That makes my life really easy because I know how to match them early on. Um, So yes, that is something that I definitely... Uh, covering inductions. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that those sort of things are so important. It's again, like uni, um, I guess like it, it almost does need to cover like mostly the the biological, um, sort of medical side of things. Um, that that is sort of the vocational knowledge that we need to know. But mm. that like the patient side of things like those little things that you learn when you you do get to working with people face to face like yeah just a check-in call mm. um, thinking about goals outside of their medical considerations mm. um, that was a that was a big like a big lesson um, for me because I think yeah it's like if there was a Venn diagram like the, the biological bubble would be huge and then it would be like tiny little patient mm. considerations and then like a little mm. bit of probably me in there. <laughs> <But> for, <laughs> is that for uni? Is yeah, that just like yeah. awareness yeah. of my yeah. beliefs yeah. and biases. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, that like, I don't know, bias, psychosocial, like mm. whatever. Mm. Um, like yeah. the, the patient thing is that patient bubble and the, um, the, the factors that relate to that, that's a, there's a lot to learn when you get out of uni, mm. Um, mm. and they're, they're just such important little um, mm. elements of your practice that I think really help mm. the, the patient. Mm.
0: I also don't think it's fair for us to expect you need to teach nah, lot of this no. stuff either, because it's you know they have a well, not a duty of care. They're not a primary school, um, but like they have a they have. Uh, a curriculum that they need to cover in order to, you know, get people accredited mm. in whatever health profession they're in, and That's that is awesome. the bio, that is the pathophys a lot of the time, mm. because to then look at it from outside that in terms of a uh, patient considerations, you still need to know all of the things that are happening inside the body, right? Yeah. So uni can't then go ignore that and go, oh, let's talk about all the different types of people's personalities that you can. Run into mm. it's like, oh, fuck, do we want to be at uni for six years? Like, no, I'd rather be learning on the job. I think I think I'd much rather learn on Mate, the imagine job. Imagine sitting
1: yeah. down and like trying to work out a uni syllabus in four years or the yeah. master's like a year and a half sometimes, <sighs> and like imagine, <sighs> imagine that process. Like, <sighs> well, what that's do I we mean, fit the, in mean,
2: the last two years would just have to be like mm. almost 100% practical mm. of like understanding personality. Mm. types and how you should approach Mm. different situations like Mm. that's there is a very very small amount of theory in that it's Mm. a Mm. 99.9% practical experience in doing that and to your point like yeah I don't know how much we can expect unis to to go through that with people I think and and like we kind of talked about before like that's what you get with experience right Mm -hmm. we can't expect unis to do everything and produce you know, uh, uh, graduates that have the same like skills and qualifications as somebody that's got five years experience in actually working with humans. Like I think that's just a bit unrealistic. Absolutely, on, it's unrealistic. On
0: like that's, that's kind of, and at the end of the day, it falls on us then as people who work in private practice who are then mentoring and inducting new grads to, to go through that experience with them. Mm. And to like hold their hand and guide them through that, so that they don't get discouraged by oh this is so hard and people are so different and uni was nothing like this. It's like yep, that's that's all something we we go through and mm. there's a lot of bumps in the road and mm. you you slowly learn this and we'll work you through it
1: mm. and you'll get better. Um. And I think like some of the some of the time you're like you're at uni. Um, and you're just like why am I learning this and then it actually mm. does in hindsight like maybe yeah 18 months out you're like I'm actually pretty happy I had that mm. sort of vague finan- uh, foundational <laughs> knowledge about yeah yeah sociology and psych and philosophy and ethics yeah. like in the back of my head because mm. it really like helped me when I went to go and learn that differently uh, mm. like deeply um, yeah like you, you do see the like the, the nice little brush strokes mm. that uni have done. Um, mm. Sometimes it just doesn't pay off for a while Yeah. until you've changed and you value those things and you yeah. can see where the dots connect to your, pra- your, your, your practice as an EP. Absolutely. So, mm. Mm. Ryan, I want...
0: <laughs> fuck. <laughs> That's my noise. I do. Is mm. your noise? Mm. Mm. Yeah, you should hear me like mm. edit out half of those ones when on the <laughs> That's the right.
2: we're gonna change topic yeah, noise. That's yeah. The- yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Good
0: segue. Yeah. Next chapter. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the next chapter will be here next Monday, so you can wait for that one. See you then.